You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, what's good? Welcome back to another edition of the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. My name is Blair Angulo. In just a moment, we will be joined by Brian Doan, to discuss all the latest recruiting news in the Northeast, including the status of five-star offensive tackle Nolan Rucci, Penn State getting a commitment in the 2022 class, as well as Dante Thornton and where he stands with his recruitment. He's a four-star wide receiver from the state of Maryland. We will also hear from our friends over at the Through the Smoke podcast, Andrew Ivins and David Lake, breaking down the biggest news that went down this week when five-star defensive tackle Leonard Taylor committed to the Miami Hurricanes live on CBS Sports HQ. If you're new here, please remember to subscribe and rate us. If you leave a five-star review with your question on Apple Podcasts, you've got a chance to get it answered by our team of analysts at 24-7 Sports in our next mailbag episode, so make sure you do that. Before we hear about Leonard Taylor, before we get to Brian Doan, let's begin with the kickoff. We were expecting a wave of commitments given the fact that high school football keeps getting pushed back in certain states across the country and players are now making their decisions and hoping to lock up their spots in recruiting classes. Given the fact that they don't know whether or not they're going to have a season or whether or not they're going to be able to take visits to campuses. But now we're starting to see a new trend. Could we be on the verge of a big transfer movement in high school football? USC quarterback commit Jake Garcia from Southern California announced this week that he would be playing his high school football in Georgia before enrolling early to play spring ball for the Trojans. I think a lot of players will start to look at that as a potential option for those that were hoping to enroll early for those that were hoping to sign early with a program and then get a head start on their college career. We've been hearing rumors from players all over the country thinking of going and playing their high school season in states that currently are on track to start the season on time. And what does that mean? I feel like it's going to create even more movement in recruiting. A player like Garcia, for instance, who was considering some schools out east, including Miami, committed to USC, going to play his high school season in Georgia, might warm up a little bit to the idea of playing on the opposite coast. So that's one example. I'm sure there's going to be a lot more examples, and it's going to be very interesting to track and to monitor how that affects recruiting, how that affects the landscape, how it affects whether or not some some schools benefit from the fact that some of these players will be playing their seasons this year. Others have already said they will skip their senior season altogether and will just enroll to their school early in 2021. So keep an eye on the transfer movement. I feel like it's going to be an interesting dynamic in this 2021 recruiting cycle. Manny Diaz and his Hurricanes made a big splash on Thursday with the commitment of Leonard Taylor, the number one defensive tackle in the 24-7 sports rankings. He's a five-star prospect in the composite. He adds to a class that already had five-star athlete James Williams. They've got a handful of four-star prospects, including wide receiver Romelo Brinson, tight end Elijah Arroyo, and running back Thad Franklin. That gives them a nice core on the offensive side. But now Leonard Taylor gives them a potential day one 
game breaker on the defensive side of the ball. He's a local prospect who chose Miami over Florida, and it's another big recruiting win for the Hurricanes. We're sending it over to Andrew Ivins and David Lake from Through the Smoke podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network to hear more about Leonard Taylor. If you haven't watched the tape, put it on. Find his huddle, and you could just see a guy who is all over the place making plays. I mean, he had 26 tackles for loss last season as a junior, 11 sacks, two interceptions. He's batting down passes. Um, I think this is, this is huge, and I, one of the main reasons why I, I really think he kind of is sold on playing at Miami is just because of the scheme and how – Miami allows their defensive tackles to kind of run free and make plays in in the system that Manny Diaz and Blake Baker have in place. So I just think not only from just a pure like talent standpoint, this is huge for Miami, but like scheme fit. I don't know if there was going to be a better scheme for Leonard Taylor. So this is, this is huge. You mentioned, um, them getting multiple five stars recruiting is such like a momentum based thing. We saw kind of how Miami had such a big presence on social media and how recruits in the South Florida area kind of changed their tune about the hurricanes over the past two months, just given on the run of recruiting they had. And especially after landing James Williams, like I think getting a guy like Leonard Taylor is only going to keep that going. Yeah, Recruits always say they want to play with other dogs or other ballers, and um, a lot of kids are going to want to play with someone that is as highly ranked as Leonard Taylor. Yeah, ballers want to play with ballers. And, you know, James Williams, you could argue James Williams maybe kicked this runoff of, of five stars. We'll see if it continues with Jason Marshall. I think, you know, look, you can't overlook Miami's momentum right now. But yeah, getting back to Leonard Taylor, the thing to me that makes him such a big addition to the class is, and I don't know if you agree with this, Andrew, but in my opinion, I think a game-wrecking defensive tackle is the hardest position to find in recruiting. Do you agree with that? I would agree. Like, um, Think of all the schools that were in on Nesta Silvera a couple cycles back, like Ohio State kind of gave him a look like schools will go around the country to find these type of guys yeah so he's a guy I mean they're just rare number one they're rare number two you know they they are hard to project because a lot of times they might have more defensive end type body types uh, that grow into defensive tackles and are athletic defensive tackles but you know Leonard Taylor you turn on his film I think it like you were saying it's pretty easy to identify that he is a you know freaky athletic defensive tackle that impacts the game in a variety of ways you know not only does he rack up a ton of sacks and tackles for loss he has that knack for getting his hands up at the right time and batting balls up in the air um, and a lot of those times they uh, they turn into picks one of my favorite plays on his highlight is where he bats the ball up in the air, catches it, runs it about 30 yards for a touchdown. And and on his way to the end zone, he breaks a tackle at the five yard line. Later in that highlight, 
he, he gets another pass breakup that pops up super high in the air. He's watching the ball the whole time. It's, you know, it's not going to drop to him, but it does bounce off an opponent's helmet. It kind of bounces off an opponent's helmet, goes straight up in the air. And then from that, he reacts and goes in and picks off the pass. So, you know, kind of elite awareness, elite athleticism to, to track that ball down. And, you know, also just, uh, an, I think another thing that's advanced with him is his hand placement. He has very good hand placement for a high school level defensive tackle. And you, you combine that hand placement with his athleticism and he has a very, very good swim move for a high school defensive tackle. So, you know, it's not often I'm going to say this, but I do think he is a defensive tackle that will earn a role in the playing rotation as a true freshman. Um, I I don't think he's going to be a starter, but I think he's going to be a guy who, uh, you know, gets 10 to 15 snaps a game. Maybe, you know, his freshman year is a pass rushing specialist, but, but I do think he's, he's definitely an elite talent and a rare talent. uh, When, when you talk about the type of guys Miami has brought in, you know, over the past decade. Oh, it's funny you you bring that up. I I was going to kind of point that out. You know, he's the type of player in my eyes that you're going to see 24-7 sports or CBS CBS sports or or other outlets writing about um, this time next year as potential freshmen that could break out and and have an impact. And since I've covered this program, I, I really can't remember a guy like that. I, I absolutely agree. He's someone who should see the field. It won't be on as get, getting starter snaps on a consistent basis or anything like that, but he, he will be talented enough to play. He's got the body, the frame to, to do that. Like he, um, you know, he doesn't carry bad weight. We say that every time we, we discuss him, um, those fast hands, it's funny the rumor was for the longest time he he had quick hands because he um, was a black belt in karate. Uh, I I actually, (laughs) I actually brought that up to him and kind of asked him point blank, like, is this true? And he kind of dodged the question. I think he was like a little embarrassed by it and didn't think it was like a big deal. So (laughs) not actually sure if he is a black belt in karate, his coach claims he is, he's noncommittal to it, but He's he's an athlete. Like he played AAU basketball right. uh, uh, for the Night Riders. Um, grew up playing baseball, which also could help with that hand-eye coordination. I mean, he's like the new age pass rusher, and uh, right. I I think this is just a, a monster monster get for Miami. All right, so that was Andrew Ivins and David Lake on our Through the Smoke podcast. Make sure you give them a follow, a rate, and a subscribe as well. We will be right back here on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast to catch up with Brian Doan. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We are back on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. 
joined by our special guest. He, he's a, a friend of the pod. He's always on the podcast. And, and I kind of want to call him my co-host from now on. <laughs> Brian Doan. He's, he's taking time out of his busy day of yelling at his TV while watching the MLS's back tournament. Uh, he's back from the, the mailbox where he's been collecting all of his Liverpool memorabilia after winning the, the Champions League. Brian, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, other than right now, as we tape this, my DVR is on pause for the MLS's back semifinal game. What's your what's your take, Ben? Because, you know, we're in the sports business. You've right. been a longtime sports writer. You, you've covered baseball. You've been on beats. You, you've done it all. Uh, and now, obviously, we're, we're waiting for a lot of clarity on what football could look like. I know me specifically, the state of Utah, which I cover very closely and I try to get out there once or twice every year, they are starting high school football on August 14th. So we are about 10 days away uh, from the launch of this podcast or when this was published to when high school football games will be going live in the state of Utah. What, what do you make of what it was in, in the bubble, how MLS was able to function and, and, and what football could learn from, from an event like that? Well, I think when you look at MLS and even the NBA, when you keep them in a bubble and you have professionals committed to being in that bubble for a given period of time. And we're not talking about six months. We're talking about a month or two to where they're, look, they're, a lot of them are getting paid handsomely. So it's in their best interest to leave their families for a month or two to do this. I think you could see some really good results from it filter down to colleges and then to the high school level. You know, the success had here, with sports, it's different in Europe where I think they've had things under control a little differently. Um, I think here, though, when you have the controlled environment, it works. When you don't, there's a lot of questions. Now, how do you control that environment with college and with high schools? Um, it's great. Utah's starting great. I hope everything goes well and everything's fantastic. But if a kid does get it, and, and you, obviously you hope not, um, what's the responsibility of the school board? And you got to remember, I'm, I'm coming, I'm in New Jersey, and I am about 35 minutes from New York City. At one point, this was probably the worst point in the world for this virus, as far as how quickly it spread. Yeah, it was the hotspot. In the world, not the country, not the, the world. And so my take is a little different than a lot of other people's takes, where you go right here, there's no, you go out, you have a mask on. There's no questions. Nobody's complaining. Nobody's fighting it. You wear a mask. And that's just the way life is. And can we have sports here? I don't know. In the high school level, I live in the town I live in. We just got the plan today where for two days out of every 10, your kid goes to school. If you opt for that, if you want to do virtual learning, you can. But right now, the plan is for the first quarter, for two, for every 10 days, your kid is in school for two of those days. How do you have high school sports like that? Yeah, I, I don't know. And, and as it relates to recruiting, I, I think it's very interesting uh, what it could do moving forward. I mean, you can't have a campus in a bubble, right? Like when, when recruits have to go on visits, they have to go check out schools, they have to meet with coaches. Uh, if you're a college program and you are hosting recruits on official visits this fall, you know, given the circumstances, do you look at 
a player from the state of Utah and and say, hey, you know, they've been open, they've been playing football. The I, I don't know what it what the situation is in that state, and and then you're bringing them in with players from from Texas or Ohio or Oregon or Florida or wherever it may be. Um, logistically, I, I think that's what has been setting everything back, and and we just don't know what recruiting is going to look like this fall. Heading into the early signing period right. in December, which we uh, clearly we still don't know if that's going to still be on the recruiting calendar. Uh, right, and, 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 right. I, and I'll, I'll say this, Blair, and you talk about that stuff. Again, I'm in New Jersey. Here in New Jersey, if you are coming from, I think there's 37 or 39 states designated that when you come into New Jersey, you are supposed to self-quarantine for two weeks. Yep. Well... What happened? I mean, so, and I'm not sure this school is on a list, so we'll just say it. And I don't know if Rutgers hosts them this year or not in football. But if Nebraska is on the quarantine list, how, how can they come play a football game here? Yeah. So, so you want to talk about recruiting visits? You know, recruiting visits. Well, you're talking about quarantining, and and so kids from New Jersey, if they're going to go somewhere on a visit and come back, do they have to quarantine? I mean. I, I, I'm not smart enough to figure this stuff out. I think my wife would vouch for that on anything, but in terms of this particular, I'm not smart enough to figure out how you handle it all. I just know I'm glad I'm not tasked with handling it all. Not smart enough for that, but smart enough to be the co-host of the 24 seven sports <laughs> football recruiting podcast. We're joined by Brian Doan. He covers recruiting in the Northeast for 24 seven sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Brian Doan, two, four, seven, Brian, uh, one of those players that has to figure things out and 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 worry or, or maybe try to maneuver his way through the process as he's one of the most coveted players in the country is Nolan Rucci. He's a five-star offensive tackle from the state of Pennsylvania. He's got a list of schools after his signature, but right now it, it does seem like Clemson, Wisconsin, and Penn State are getting the most buzz for him. They're listed as warm on his 24-7 sports profile. What's the latest on Nolan and his recruitment? Yeah, I, I think, well, I spoke with him on uh, Tuesday, and I don't think Nolan stresses a lot of things. I think he's he's a really smart kid, but he's also has a really good head on his shoulders. His dad, Todd, played at Penn State, played in the NFL. His brother, Hayden, plays at Wisconsin. So that's why you have the Wisconsin and Penn State connections right away with being warm. But, you know, he wants to make visits. He He's one of the few kids that can take his time because any program will pretty much take him. He's just about to finish up his Stanford application. He told me he just needs one more teacher recommendation and that can be sent off. He wants to get to Stanford. He surprised me when he talked about Ohio State. And I know everybody's going to downplay Ohio State. He's not going to Ohio State. And I'm not going to argue that, but I'm never going to rule Ohio State out with the Pennsylvania kid. This is a kid, though, that Penn State has to get. He's a local kid. He's a legacy. They brought in a new O-line coach, Phil Troutwine, who from Boston College, his deal is, hey, he can recruit O-linemen. He'll connect with them. He can ID them. This is the kid that Penn State needs to get to take that next step in building an offensive line to where their quarterback is getting hit all the time. And then Wisconsin is also really heavily involved. And I know Steve's pick is on Wisconsin. Mine's on Penn State. Um, He's really familiar with Wisconsin. He knows the coaching staff really well. His brother plays there. He knows what they do developing offensive linemen. Um, it's 
there's a reason he hasn't picked yet, and I think it is those two schools. But the rest of them, look, if he's going to start visiting campuses with Notre Dame in the mix and Stanford and Michigan and Ohio State, then you sit there and you say, okay, it's not a done deal. I still focus on Penn State and Wisconsin, but don't rule out the fact he, if he does take visits, he can go to these other places and things can get changed up quickly. The circumstances are, are very unique, obviously, in this recruiting cycle. So it's a, a bit difficult, especially for the re- recruits. You mentioned it earlier. Nolan Rucci is a five-star prospect. He can wait as long as he wants to. He has that leverage, right? He knows that every school, yeah, every so he school can wait that next summer, if he exactly, wants. yeah, exactly. So every school that wants him will wait for him. And if he doesn't have to make a decision now without taking the visits that he has to take, or, or that he feels like he wants to take to be able to make that choice then more power to him and he can take his time. Uh, and so while it is it right now is shaping like a Penn State, Wisconsin battle, when you throw out the school like like Stanford, right? And he wants to figure out whether he's even admitted uh, or a Michigan or Ohio State or whoever else enters the picture, you understand it from his perspective. Um, and like you, like you said, I think Penn State right now, you know, needs to win some of these battles when some of the big name programs are coming, you know, in their backyard. Yeah. And listen, he's a kid that has had exposure to recruiting because his older brother went through it. That's how he wound up at Wisconsin. Now, Penn State did not offer his older brother. And so you have that aspect of it. But there's a reason that those two right now are the ones talked about so much. They're the ones that he really had a chance to visit and check out. And he knows so much about it. He grew up going to Penn State games. His dad played there. He knows everything there is to know about that place. His brother plays at Wisconsin. They've been there countless times there's nothing better than asking your brother hey who what's going on what's it really like there and i talked to him i joked about it because i have two kids and you know they're both boys and they want to one moment they want to kill each other the next moment they want to hug and he goes well we're past the moments of wanting to kill each other we get along really well and so there's really good communication between the two to where hayden's not going to sit there and start telling his brother things that aren't necessarily truthful just to get him to go to a school. So that's why those two look to be the leaders. It's easy to say they're the leaders. I think they are, but there's, there's no doubt that he can go to another campus and be blown away. Yeah. So from one prospect that seems to be splitting the, the picks in the 24 seven sports crystal ball, we go to one that's unanimous right now with 11 predictions for the Oregon ducks. When it comes to Dante Thornton, He's a top 100 prospect nationally, a four-star wide receiver from Baltimore, Maryland. He goes to Mount St. Joseph High School, about 6'5", 185, uh, and has, uh, like Nolan Rucci does, over two dozen scholarship offers. He's about five months away from making a decision, right? So he, he wants to decide at some point in early January, early 2021. What do you hear about Dante Thornton and where he stands with, with some of the suitors? Yeah, well, I talked to him on Tuesday night, and he's going to decide at the All-American Bowl. At least that's the plan right now. Um, I think his line was, as long as they have it, I'll decide there. But if they don't have it, he can make a decision sooner, graduate in December, and, and enroll at a school in January, which is an option. But he's interesting. You know, we, we talk about Nolan Rucci, and they, you know, he can wait forever, and, and Thornton a really good player but receivers are a little different than left tackles and I could see places filling up and it's really interesting with him so all the crystal ball picks are on Oregon we know that he's been out there he grew up loving Oregon because 
when he was really impressionable, Chip Kelly had it rolling out at Oregon. And that's where it was his dream school at one point. I said, well, can it still be, you know, is it still your dream school after learning everything about it? He goes, yeah, yeah, nothing's changed. I, I love it. He has not been to USC. He has not been to Florida State. And he has not been to Arizona State. He was to Notre Dame a couple of years ago. So he hasn't been able to make the visits he's wanted to make. And for now, that's great. With Oregon, That I think the less places he visits, the better for Oregon. But if he starts getting exposure to USC, if he starts getting exposure to Florida State, I, I can see it changing. And one thing I've learned, Blair, and you know, because you, you live out west, is you know Arizona State, they've recruited the East a lot. But what kids really hear when they talk to Arizona State is our coaches were all in the NFL and they know what it takes to get you to the NFL. And so that is intriguing to every kid. And so I'll never rule Arizona State out because it also has, you know, it's a gorgeous campus. And we live in the Northeast, which in the winter means it's 20 degrees out on a good day. It's not like that at Arizona State. So you always have that aspect too. Um, but I, I think with him, when I'm curious if he visits USC, I think USC can make a big impact. Florida State, he likes the idea of, you know, rebuilding there and he can get on the field early. And then Notre Dame, if you look at um, Miles Boykin and Clay Chapel, very similar body structures to what Thornton has, you know, or what Thornton has now to when they were in high school. And he's really intrigued by that too. So I feel good about Oregon right now, but if he starts making these other visits, I can really see it getting a little dicey for the Ducks. Sure. I feel like those votes for Oregon came in at a time when it seemed like maybe he was coming off the board, right? I had heard from Ty Thompson, who's currently committed to Oregon, elite 11 quarterback, that he was his number one target, that he was targeting Thornton and he was expecting him to commit very soon. Well, you know, obviously it sounds like Thornton wants to wait until early 2021. Uh, and that does give other schools a possible window to close the gap on the Ducks. So it should be interesting to see whether or not those schools go in there. Along with that, Blair, is the fact that, don't forget, he was committed to Penn State for a while. And he decommitted. Penn State lost its receivers coach who went to West Virginia to be the offensive coordinator. And that's who his connection was at Penn State. Um, even after he decommitted, I thought there would be a chance that he would still wind up at Penn State until the receivers coach left. And I bring this up because Oregon should feel good about where they are right now, but it also shows that he's willing to change his mind and listen to other things as landscapes change at different schools. Uh, we're joined by Brian Doan. You can follow him on Twitter at Brian Doan247. He's a national recruiting analyst for 24-7 Sports. On the topic, Brian, of, of Penn State, they picked up a commitment in the 2022 class, uh, also in the state of Pennsylvania, from quarterback Bo Prabula. He's number 10 among dual threat prospects, a top 12 prospect in the state of Pennsylvania for the 2022 class. What can you tell us about him and, and why he's making the decision now? Well, he's making a decision now because he grew up a Penn State fan, loves Penn State. And, you know, you can't go anywhere. Spring's over. Summer's almost over. He knows where he wants to be. So you might as well go get your spot before they recruit another quarterback. Um, I, I think he's a really good prospect. Uh, I talked to, you know, Barton Simmons, who's our director of scouting, um, about him. We had him ranked a little lower 
based off of his sophomore tape. And then Bo sent me some of his workouts. And this is what you, you can't see in person now. So it's our job to go find the information in a different ways. And the way I found the information with Bo was he sent me a pretty long workout tape and I was able to watch his, his arm strength increased. Um, he's got good footwork, good frame throws from a high angle for the most part. And he's a dual threat kid. And I went and when I wrote the eval on him for lines two, four, seven, I said, look, he's a cross between Trace McSorley, who played for Penn State, took him you know, to a Big Ten championship and is now in the NFL, and Christian Velo, who is now committed to Penn State out of Maryland in the 21 class. And I think he's a combination of that because he's bigger than Trace McSorley was. He still runs well. He, he plays safety like Trace did, and I love that. I mean, and he plays quarterback with that safety mentality of just toughness and physical and all that stuff. And with Christian Villot, he's a little, you know, he's got more height like, like Christian does. Um, arm strength, I don't think it's quite where Christian's is right now, but his accuracy is better. And I think there, he's a mix between the two of them. I, I just think he's a really, really good prospect who you only get to see half of when you watch his throwing tape. And then when you realize what he does as a safety, what he does running the ball, talk to coaches in the area, talk to some you know, people that, that know him from a personal level. I, I think he's a really good player who if there's a, if there is a, fall season or if they play in the spring whatever i think he's got a really good chance to really move up in the rankings yeah a very interesting quarterback room now at penn state when you look at the projection right with like you mentioned christian velo uh this 2022 quarterback bo prabula and then in 2020 they landed a player out west uh out of bishop gorman in las vegas micah bowens who has drawn a lot of comparisons to a former uh, Bishop Gorman quarterback and, and Tay Martell and the way he's able to uh, extend plays with his legs and, and be creative outside the pocket and, and, and really find receivers uh, while throwing on the run. I think he, they're giving themselves a chance with, with several different types of quarterbacks, uh, which, which I think is very interesting. I, I don't know if the strategy is always to to pick a certain type. I think you want to give your yourself some variance in case, you know, offenses change or you want to do certain things. Uh, I, I do like the collection of, of quarterbacks that Penn state is getting. Here's what Penn state wants. And, and they have a new offensive coordinator in Kirk Shiraka, old one, Ricky Ronnie's now the coach at old dominion. And it used to be where a guy, you know, the quarterback would run the ball 15, 20 times a game. It seemed Kirk Shiraka did it at Minnesota, wants to do it at Penn State. He loves the deep ball, and he loves quarterbacks that can throw the deep ball. And the two guys, when you look at Christian Valu and also uh, Bo Prabula, they both love to throw the deep ball, and they don't mind taking chances. But you also have to have some athleticism, some escapability, and be able to throw on the move. And, and that's the profile of the Penn State quarterback right now, and that's who they want. Yeah, so Bo Prabula becomes the third commitment for Penn State in the 2022 class, joining Jerry Cross, a tight end from Wisconsin, and wide receiver Caden Saunders uh, out of the state of Ohio. So two four-stars, and then Prabula adds to that. Brian, before we let you go, uh, another bit of news that hit, hit the wire this week was three prospects from the 2023 class coming off the board at the same time to the same school. 
<laughs> it is 2023. And I looked and I think in the 24-7 database, we had five 2023s committed. And then these three committed to Boston College. Um, they're from Catholic Memorial in Westbury, Mass- West Roxbury, Massachusetts. It's athlete, you know, Bubakar Traore, who right now he plays tight end. I think he's more, you know, probably turned into a defensive end or maybe an offensive tackle. His brother, Badera, played at LSU, went to a junior college, then played at LSU, and is now uh, signed a free agent deal with the Chicago Bears. So you have uh, Bubakar, you have running back to Trell Jones, and you have a receiver, Jaden Skeet. And Skeet's interesting. He's 6'1", 170, 175. Um, he only played JV last year. So why do you take him? Well, again, there's no spring eval, really, for coaches to go see things. There's no camps. but there are workouts and there are some seven and seven on sevens and stuff on Twitter. And you watch this kid on with some of the catches he makes and the way he releases off the line of scrimmage on, on some of these workouts. And if I'm Boston college, I'm taking this kid without any varsity experience anyway. Now, do they stick? I don't know, man. It's, it's more than two years. before. <laughs> I mean, it's more than two years before they can sign, but these are the kind of kids that in theory can turn Boston college around. They're local. They're high-level athletes. If you look at them, first of all, you know this, Blair. To play on a varsity level as a true freshman in high school, I don't care if you are playing eight-man football. You have to have a certain level of athleticism and size to do it. And when you watch them, I mean, they're, they're all big kids. Traore's 6'3". Uh, Detrell Jones, he's a running back who's you know, 5'10", 170. Um, Jaden Skeet is 6'1", 170, 175. They all have size. They're all really athletic. And they come from a school where, you know, the head coach, well, his kid is an offensive grad assistant at Boston College, too. So you know they're getting some really good intel on on the level of player these kids um, can be. Yeah, not only do you need athleticism as a freshman to, to play varsity, but I think you need some of that uh, self-assurance, right? And, and that confidence, knowing that you're going to go out there and be able to, to – to to compete and to stay with some of these older players and and obviously these these guys are full of confidence already committing to college uh three years before they're set to enroll at at, at whichever school they end up at right now it does seem like boston college is is going to be the destination yeah and and you know with two of them with traori and jones they had michigan offers also yeah so it's not like these are kids just out of nowhere i mean their guy it's massachusetts so it's not very heavily recruited but Boston College needs to handle Massachusetts and get the better players there. And Jeff Halfley, the head coach there, um, charismatic guy, people love him. And it's really important that he got these kids because, you know, look, we don't know what's going to happen in two and a half years. But what we do know is that local people are buying in and the publicity from that is also, you know, it also has some worth. I wish we knew what was happening in two and a half months or two and a half weeks, to or be two honest. two and a half hours. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's Brian Doan. He's a national recruiting analyst and also a co-host of this 24-7 Sports Football <laughs> Recruiting Podcast. Brian, one, one more thing, one more question. How do our listeners uh, get a chance to have a question answered uh, by you or anyone else on the team of analysts at 24-7 Sports? I mean, I guess the best way is go on one of your message boards and ask, but you can also you know, they, they he, can leave a five-star Apple podcast review. Oh. I mean, c- come on, co-host, you got this. Wait a minute. Okay. Let me explain something to everybody out there. 
I'm old. Okay. So for me to understand that, I can confirm for me to understand that. I mean, I'm just going to say this. I probably covered my first game before Blair took his first breath. Probably pretty close. So, so so mid eighties. So I start, so, so I started, you know, writing when I was two. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So that's Brian Doan. And like I said, if you want to get your recruiting question answered by him or by anyone else on the team at 24 seven sports, you can do so by leaving your question in an Apple podcast review with five stars. Thank you so much for listening to the 24 seven sports football recruiting podcast and enjoy your weekend.